Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello, and thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. How do you adopt a new system for anything, be it a marketing automation system, a CRM, or even a new platform for your marketing, such as LinkedIn? Today, um, that's what we're going to talk about with my guest, Kenneth Vogt. Kenneth is a man who has been there and done that. He had a stodgy title at a traditional company as a controller for a manufacturer. He's also had a sexy title at a splashy company, which was a principal solutions architect for a fabulously successful dot-com, but mostly he's been an entrepreneur for over 35 years. He created one of the first e-commerce websites for a Fortune 500 company back in 1997, and has ridden the internet ever since. Having worked in entrepreneurial enterprises, both large and small, he's uniquely qualified to provide clarity about what it takes to create, run, and even recreate life-sustaining businesses. All right. Kenneth Vogt, thanks for joining me. First, if you don't mind, would you tell me a little bit about your background so that the person on the other end of this podcast gets an idea of who I'm speaking to today? Sure, I'd be happy to, Chris. I'm one of those people you'd call a lifelong entrepreneur. And yes, I have had some stints in a more structured corporate kind of environment, but the fact is I I keep going back to entrepreneurship. And I, I really do enjoy working with companies that are are starting up but have big plans, and those that have gotten to the first stage and want to get to the next stage. Excellent. So let's jump right in here. The problem we're talking about today is adopting systems. So whether that is a marketing automation system, a CRM, or even a platform uh, for your marketing, such as Twitter or LinkedIn or a blog, how can companies set themselves up to do those things right? Well, one of the first things that I would suggest is find somebody that's getting the results that you want to get and do your best to mimic how they're getting those results. In some cases, and in many cases, people are very open about these things. They will tell you exactly what their systems are, and uh, that, that's, that's just a good starting place. Excellent. So how, I guess, if they go through that process with you and they're open enough about it, you're going to be able to tell whether what you've seen is actually real or not, right? But <laughs> yes, you wouldn't want to go mimic somebody who you think is doing something right when the results behind it, if you couldn't find out if the results behind it weren't. Well, I, I think we have to start with results. So don't start with what you hope the results are. Uh, those folks aren't really worth copying. Uh, you want to, I say copy, mimicking. You don't, don't want to exactly copy. But the fact is, is there's, there's plenty of people out there that are, are broadcasting their results. They're telling everybody. Or there's public information available so you can see that they're, they're succeeding at it. Right. I know that there are a lot of small companies now that are being fully transparent about their successes online, for example. 
Right. And in reference to marketing, too, it's not that hard to find out when something's successful. If you've been seeing ads over and over and over again from somebody, it must be working or they wouldn't keep burning money on it. Right. So let's talk more specifically about selecting a system and and how you go about what and again whether it's a an IT system or just a platform deciding what you want to do so maybe you found a company that you're choosing to mimic their process what's the next step well then the next thing is you need to be very clear on what results do you want to get because chances are you're not going to find somebody that's the absolute perfect match so know yourself first and go in and make sure you're looking for those things because it's easy to get uh, to get fascinated like oh look it does this and it does that except those things don't particularly support where you're going so you know we don't want to get caught up in you know shiny and red <laughs> we we want to focus on making sure we get the things that we are after and we don't want to kid ourselves about our own capabilities or our own expertise or knowledge or especially of our team this is not going to be the most interesting part of their world. This is just something they're going to have to do. <laughs> so you want to make sure it's as easy for them as possible and as intuitive for them as possible. So we talked about, um, well, figuring out what your team is and figuring out what your objectives are when you take on a new system. What about, um, let's talk a little bit about explaining your objectives to management because this is going to be a long process. <laughs> it can be, yes. Well, yeah, that, that again it's it's another it's another marketing thing you've got to do. You got to market to your own management. You, and if you can keep putting in front of them the idea of that these are the tools that are going to support our meeting the company mission, everything's got to tie back to that. Tie back to the company mission. This is why I want this. I want this because it's going to get us here to this thing you've told me you want. Right. And um I guess so that brings up the situation that um, people probably commonly run into is, again, in this long game, how do you set yourself up for success when you're under pressure to meet some quarterly numbers? Mm -hmm. Well, you, you, have to, you have to take some of your bandwidth, some percentage, and devote it to the long game. And you've you got to do it in such a way that – that it isn't being noticed by those who have a short-term focus. And that, that's a fact that we, we can't ignore. If, if your manager or your manager's manager has got that, that short-term myopia, that's the reality you live in. And so you've got to present to them that they're getting their short-term objectives met. But you, you have to keep filling the pipeline. This is, this is true in many different kinds of market uh, departments. You know, it's true in marketing. It's true in sales. It's true in R&D. If you don't keep things going, they're going to help you long term. At some point, you're going to run out of short term fixes, and then you're toast. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about um, avoiding getting toasted. Um, you adopt a new system. You you get started. You're excited about it. Management buys in, and then. Um, you're going to get to the hard parts, right? You, exactly. And some people would call this the dip, mm -hmm. for example. And the enthusiasm starts to wane or questions come up and you start to question, is this the right thing to be doing? And the risk, of course, um, in one direction is that you continue on and it's not the right thing. So you'd like to have 
some data. And the other risk, um, which is probably more common, is that you decide that it's the wrong thing too soon. So how do we how do we get smart about that? Okay, well, the, the first thing is to be eyes wide open about what you're calling the dip. Know that's coming. It has to come. Because at the beginning, you just don't know that much about it, and you're focused on all the good parts. And you haven't seen the flaws, and you haven't seen the hard parts, and you haven't seen the things that aren't quite as you imagined. And there's no way to foresee that up front. So know that that's going to happen. But when it happens, and you've kind of budgeted yourself for it, you've budgeted uh, mind space and time so that you can handle problems as they arise as you implement something, just keep in mind, is this system still meeting our objectives, the ones we stated at the beginning? And that'll help you through the times when, man, this is tough. I didn't realize you were going to have to do this part or that part. Yes, but it still meets our objectives. Okay, well, then we keep going. Or you realize as you get into something, hey, this was not what it was represented to be. Or I missed something serious in, in my due diligence up front. Okay, well, then it's time to pivot. But chances are if you did your work right up front sticking with it is probably the right path okay and what about so maybe it's meeting your objectives let's give that and then but the cost of doing that in mind space or other effort that was unexpected gets to be a little high okay well first off if you didn't if you didn't budget for that if you didn't plan for having some unexpected, that's on you. Right. <laughs> you know? Don't don't get yourself in that position. If you get yourself in a position and go, whoa, this is very different than what was described, um, and there's a lot more here than I realized. Well, you know that that's that's a different game, and I, and I'd like to say that doesn't happen the majority of the time. That's not usually the case if we've done our work up front and we're dealing with reputable people, um, and for the most part, that's what we're going to find. Right. I, I personally have experienced a situation where I did not get into that, but can imagine in retrospect how it might have happened. And with a marketing automation system that I uh, later had other experience with, let's put it that way. Right. And thinking if we had adopted that, which we were thinking about at a previous company, um, it w- we would not have had the capacity to make it work. And, and it would have... It, we would have drowned trying to save ourselves. Uh, well, sure. I mean, that, that can happen. And I guess it, it, this isn't the situation where you want to sit down and figure out who's to blame. That's not really the point at this point. You just want to realize, see what's right in front of you. You know, don't don't cloud your own vision. Be Face the reality and and then decide what needs to be done from there. Right. And not to say we wouldn't have done our due diligence. I, I, I think we would have. And it, it just... Uh, we took a different path for other reasons. And, but in retrospect, I always remember thinking, gosh, you know, what looked to us to be, um, the solution to all our problems would have made everything we were doing worse. And so, well, um, and you know, this is, especially if you're talking about things that are software tools or, or online applications, pay attention to what version it is, because you can get very excited about version one of something and it can, be a lot more challenging to implement than you might realize. Um, but if you're uh, talking to somebody that's 
you know, a company that's been in business for 10 years, they're on version 5, whatever it is, you know, probably you're not going to have that problem. Right. Or you at least you would have heard about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say you shouldn't go with a, you know, an early version of something or something that's new and exciting. It's just go in with eyes open. Know that okay, there's going to be unexpected stuff here more than normal and let's budget for that. Right. So let's talk about evaluating that progress um, and and proper metrics. So we're into it. We're measuring whether the thing that we've adopted is meeting our objectives and we've figured out how to manage and work through any problems. Um, what? How, how should we look at our metrics and know that we're measuring the right things and so on? Right. That. Metrics is one of those things where I want to stand on my chair and shout because knock people, yourself out. Yeah. People love to focus on the things that are easy to measure as if that's a criteria for what you should use. And it happens across the board in business and even outside of business. You go to the doctor and they will measure things because those are the things they can measure. And that's how they will they'll diagnose things based on the things they can measure. But, you know, some of those things are just one-offs. And the same thing is true of, of business metrics. So we need to be really clear. Am I measuring something that absolutely is directly related to the result I want? Or am I measuring something that is related to the result I want? Now, there's nothing wrong with measuring something related to the result you want, as long as you recognize that it's a one-off. So, for instance... If you're, do, if you're in some kind of marketing campaign where the result you care about is direct sales, well, sales dollars is a, a great measure and it's perfect. You know, It tells you exactly what it is. However, that is a holy grail of marketing that you often cannot achieve. Often you can't make a direct correlation between a marketing program and a sale. Um, so then you have, to, you have to measure things that come before the sale. Like, okay, how many leads did we gather? Or how many names have we added to our email list? Or how many phone numbers did we collect? Or how many companies did we reach? Uh, When you know those things, it helps. But also recognize that just because I've collected a bunch of email addresses, are they for the right people? You know, they might be for the right companies, but are they the right contact within the company? Or they might be people with the um, the right job title, but not at the right companies. Or they might be people in the – maybe I don't know what countries they're in, and maybe that really matters to us. Um, and, and it breaks down from there. Maybe they're the right title but in the wrong size company. So we need to, we need to map all our data together. Sometimes you've collected information, and it's – well, it's, you've collected data. It's not information yet. It's not information until you cross-reference it with some other data. And then you can see if you've hit the – hit the, the right results. And so sometimes your, the, your marketing campaign is collecting just raw data that you have to further process so that you can know whether or not something succeeded. So make sure you do the full, you know, you do the full work before you start making decisions because you can, you can collect up a bunch of stuff and just because there's a, a big pile there, we think, oh, that's good, until you start cross-referencing it and realize oh, only part of that pile is useful. Or less of that pile is useful than we realized. Right. So, for example, even traffic metrics. You know, we did oh, a campaign. Yeah. We're getting lots more traffic. 
Are they the right people? Does that traffic convert into anything? Exactly. And But that metric leads to another one, and you say, oh, I, it is or it is not converting, and do we think it could convert higher? How can we change that? Because Right. You know, well, this is one of the big, big dilemmas of marketing always because there's often many moving parts. And if you're you, you know, there's four things that you could change. So the first thing you you have a test run. You know, you know what you got for results, and you try changing all four of those things at once. You basically started over. Right. So that you got to change one and see what happened, and then you got to change another one and see what happened. That takes time, and that takes it takes money, and it, you know it takes access. Uh, you know, and I say time in the you know, calendar time for sure, but uh, but also clock time. <laughs> you know, it takes takes effort for people to do so you gotta you gotta pick your you know the best pony you can when you're when you're doing that kind of thing because most of us we're not going to get a chance to test every possible little thing we're, and hopefully with some experience we can get better at picking the next best thing to test right yeah i in my experience testing is well, honestly, in my experience, at many companies, testing is non-existent, even though they have a volume of traffic, for example, that could be easily tested, right. but they don't necessarily feel like they have the capacity to do a test to see if they could convert more people, which... Oh, and, and if, if I could reference something that you and I talked about in a private conversation earlier, here's the thing about this. As you say, there's no testing, which means that the people at that company have no experience at this. So let's get clear here. There are people who are professional scientists. You know, they, they've, they've put in the work to get the education and to get the experience. Don't kid yourself that there aren't professional marketers. That Those people too, with their degrees in marketing and finance and economics, and then experience on top of that, they're going to be much better at initial testing than somebody who doesn't have that experience and all they've got is a bunch of raw traffic, and they think, okay, I've heard about testing. I read a couple articles on the internet. I can bring the same level of expertise that I do to my true area of expertise. It's not likely. So, you know, it's, it's a good idea to ask for help sometimes. Right. Find somebody who's good at that. I, exactly. uh, as a, a little aside, I was at um, the Authority Rainmaker Conference in Denver two weeks ago, and there was actually a woman who spoke there. She works for a company called Porch, which I think is a. Uh, is a site where people go to get information about real estate and you know buying houses and so on, something in that sector. But at her company, and this is what she specializes in, they test everything. And when they have a meeting, the very first thing, regardless of what the meeting is about, is to report any test results. I mean, they test whether they should have meetings. <laughs> it's it, it's it's kind of uh, it, it seems almost ridiculous. It's certainly out of the range of possibility for any company I've ever seen. Um, but they're a startup, and but that's their mentality. We're going to test everything, and and the good thing is they have a a kind of a fearless attitude. Like uh, we're going to find out, and right. even if if I say we're gonna, let's test this idea and it fails, if we learn something, that's good. Right. Um, and and all I want to do is just encourage people to think about testing their marketing a little bit more. To, to find out um, because I think they a common problem and, and the honestly the primary problem I try to solve <clears throat> is spending time doing more and more things when there's a possibility of doing a few things that we do better would 
for less effort. Right. And I, I know a, a number of people who regularly manage marketing budgets that are in seven and eight figures. These people live and breathe testing. It's what they do. I don't know any of them who don't have testing as, as just top, top line importance for them. And these folks have put the time in to get really, really good at this. So um, you got to you got to do that. Now, you may be dealing with competitors where, you know, nobody in your space is really very good at it. Well, bully for you. Look at the opportunity you have then. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in our space for any of those topics because um, we're all behind, honestly. And so if you can get good at one new thing in marketing, uh-huh. it, you can have a huge advantage. So when you say you've worked with these, um, you know, companies with seven, eight figure marketing budgets, for example, and you don't need to reveal anything, obviously you won't, mm-hmm. that you shouldn't, but um, what kinds of things are they testing? What, what would be something that they w- would be a primary test to just uh, improve something at a first pass? Okay. Well, these days there's, there's so much data available out there. You can, yeah, it's not just the data you collect, but there's all kinds of public data and private data that's, that's, that you can buy. And, and you can match things against demographics, against psychographics. You can, you can know so much. You can, and, and the same thing is true of, biz, of uh, you know, business demographics, let's call them. Uh, the characteristics about business, you can dig in so deep. And you can also keep track of things that have to do with how, how much you're engaged with people and what an impact that has. So in other words, what's the difference between somebody that's come and visited our site once versus somebody who seems to come back every week? Um, and have we given them a reason to come back every week? And, you know, because if you find out that people that keep coming back buy things, well, then you're going to want to make sure that people have every reason in the world to keep showing up. Because many people's websites, all they are is a billboard, basically a fancy one, but a billboard. Um, whereas if you can make it current where there's a, a rationale for the visitor to say, hey, I want to see what's happening there again, well, then you're going to, in many cases, you you can tie that to an increase in sales. Right. So that's an interesting topic. We might have to come back to that one another time because buying that data and um, and learning from that would be useful even for companies or I guess I'll ask, would it be useful, let's say I'm a new startup in the life science space and I don't have that volume of traffic is there data I can buy that would show me what I should be doing even if I don't if it's not data about my own audience potentially I mean it, it depends on how how specific you have to be I know in many cases a startup has got a, a really specific point solution um, and not it doesn't always match a market perfectly that, that's one of the things that that happens to us some companies they just they can speak to a very broad market and it makes sense. For others, they need something very specific. And sometimes that specific market you know, exists. People coalesce somewhere um, and you can, you can go after that. In other cases, they're scattered throughout. And so uh, you have to approach your marketing a little different in that you're, now you're gathering more data than, than leads because you know among this pile of people are, is our market. So I, I hate to say it depends, but it depends. But the possibility is definitely there. 
Okay. Well, that, yeah, that's interesting. It's not something I spend a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, purchased data, but it certainly, I'm sure it would be of interest to someone in my audience. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah I have clients that use purchase data all the time and, and it's definitely successful for them. I certainly know that in, in our industry, the thing I'm most familiar with is um, the SDI report. So they have, I think, a weekly or every other week newsletter that comes out, but then they also have larger packages of, of data about the market. Um, right. Well, and then, you know, another way to call it purchase data is to to team up with people that are already reaching that audience. And so you you help them by submitting content they can use that then references you or perhaps you sponsor their content and you get in front of their audience that way and and uh, you get access to data when people sign up for things so if you give things away if you you give away a white paper or something uh, that is useful to them uh, maybe a short video or an audio um, and it gives you an opportunity to collect some contact information well that's a way to to get to somebody you know is interested in your topic right well of course I love that I mean yeah. All about the content. So, excellent. Um, what? Um, maybe we've talked about this, but any common mistakes we haven't talked about that we ought to leave people with? <laughs> or, well, I is- I don't mind saying again, stop talking because you want to talk. <laughs> Say things people want to hear. That that is just so important, and we have to keep reminding ourselves of it because it is so easy to fall back into it. Um, another thing that, that happens, and again, this is one of the stand on the chair things for me, is I don't understand how business people, and especially those with a scientific background, can act so ignorant about statistics <laughs> because I know you had to take a statistics class to get that degree. Right. And, uh, make sure that before you j- judge data that you have a sample size that it will give you meaningful results. You know, if you're if you got a result of five plus or minus ten, you don't have a result. Right. <laughs> Make sure that it's that it's you know fifteen plus or minus one before you start making decisions about whether or not something's working. Right. Yeah. Making sure you have valid data. Exactly. I, I cannot argue with that. <laughs> um. Well, I want to thank you very much for all this information about um, picking systems, evaluating systems, selling them to your boss, and and measuring your progress and and how to stick with those things. I I think this will be very useful to the person listening to this podcast. I know a lot of these things come up for people in in every company of all sizes. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your time that you've spent with me today and uh, thank you very much. My pleasure, Chris. Happy to be here with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Science Marketing Radio. If you enjoyed it, a rating or a review on iTunes is always much appreciated. That will help me get more listeners so we can attract more fantastic guests. You can also find me on Stitcher Radio, and if you like, you can leave a comment on the podcast at words2wow.com. Have a great week, everybody.